Hello, and you're very welcome to If I Were the Minister for Education from OnShot.net. Episode 46, Ban the Rote Learning of Tables. I was a very strange child, which is probably not surprising because I'm a reasonably strange adult. And I remember two things about myself as a junior infant. The first thing was that I was ridiculously shy. I mean, I, re- I remember being scared all the time. And I mean, I started school after corporal punishment was outlawed. So it wasn't because of that. I, I don't really know what I was actually scared of. Maybe that I'd get shouted at or maybe that I'd get into trouble. And actually, come to think of it, I think it was about getting into trouble. And I can count only one time in my entire primary school career where I had to stand at the back of the class, and I remember it vividly. It was during an art class where we had to be silent. Uh, And these were the days uh, where a good class was a quiet class and there was no talking allowed. However, there was a kid in my class and he did the unthinkable. He forgot, I mean, actually, maybe you should sit down. Yeah, okay, you're sat down, good. He forgot to wash his paintbrush after painting on his page and he was about to dip it in to another colour. Yeah, yeah, I know, you heard me. Yeah, so I loudly whispered his name to stop. Now, in my mind, I was a hero. I was saving him from eternal humiliation. I was saving him from being called the mixer for the rest of his life. However, the next thing I knew, I was told, stand out at the back of the class. Now, what has this story got to do with banning rote learning of tables? Well, listen on, and I promise you, I will get to my point as I try to convince you that if I were the Minister for Education, I would ban the rote learning of tables. Yes, you're very welcome to If I Were the Minister for Education. This is Simon Lewis. And um, before I get on to the point uh, I I presume you're probably all wondering what happened after I was told to stand at the back of the classroom I mean it couldn't be fair of me to not tell you I mean some of you may have been wondering how was I so lucky to go to a school where classrooms were big enough to have a space to stand out in I know some of you might be wondering were the corners already full of other children who had already fallen foul of the rule to be silent during art? Why was I out at the back and not in the corner? And some of you younger listeners might be wondering, what would a teacher be doing during this time? For goodness sake, wasn't there social media for her to be flicking through? Teachers didn't even have laptops to keep them busy. That's how old I am. Most likely, she was probably trying to balance the role book. That's me thinking now as an adult. And I think most teachers back in those days passed their days doing exactly that, balancing the role books. And some of you have probably come to the conclusion that this event was a slippery slope that I perished from and this somewhat innocent misunderstanding built up a rage so deep inside me about injustice that I there and then decided to dedicate my entire life to the vengeance 
of some dis of some description. But no, no. However, if I'm completely honest, I actually can remember my entire thought process for the five or ten minutes or so that I was standing on the tiles at the back of the room. I remember three feelings. The first was anger. And the anger was to both the teacher and to the kid in my class, the mixer. I don't know if he knows I call him that. In fairness, you know, as well, things, to be honest, things never really recovered with that child, you know. Though, to be fair, we, we, we probably never really got on anyway, so this is just another reason for me to hate him. And I swore I would never talk to the teacher again, which, which I think lasted about 10 minutes when I plucked up the courage to do that. Remember, I was nervous all the time. Um, I also had the, this, this feeling, the second other feeling I had was a feeling of fear. I was really afraid that another teacher would come into the room and see me, which is probably basically linked to the third feeling, which was humiliation. It wasn't a feeling I was really used to as an eight-year-old. I probably lived in fear of it, but I think once corporal punishment was banned, humiliation and maybe intimidation were the replacement tools of discipline and what better strategies to use for helping children to learn their tables back in those days. Yes, back in my day, the only way we learned our tables was by learning them off by heart. And the motivation of doing that was to avoid being humiliated by the teacher and your peers in your class. Now, some of you are old enough to remember games like uh, stand up, sit down. Do you know that game? The stand up, sit down game where the goal is to remain standing by answering a maths fact, uh, like a multiplication table or something like that. And in fairness, I imagine some of you might still play this game with your class, but probably without the added ingredient of shaming the children who have to sit down. Back in my day, if you weren't able to answer that table instantly, not only did you have to sit down, you could also be called lovely names like useless or pathetic, or a fool by your teacher. And if your teacher was inventive, they might even think of clown or donkey or some other word that would help get your classmates joining in for their slagging. Yep, some teachers at the end of the game might even call upon the children who had to sit down after falling at the first hurdle and go again at them, all in the name of knowing that six sets of 12 was 72. Now, most households of a certain era would recognize the Thursday evening ritual where the mammy, and it was usually the mammy of the house, would be holding the tables book, calling out the questions, and the child going again and again and again and again to remember the answers. Probably being called useless or a clown or a donkey by the mammy too. Or maybe not. It wasn't my house, by the way. My mammy was nice to me. Anyway, the most important tool used by teachers with this methodology was fear this learning off by heart when we were young. When I say we, I mean we being people of a certain age. And fear was the methodology, and it took nothing else. You learned your tables off by heart, or you got humiliated. If you're older than me, you probably got slapped. Um, you know, and that, that, that's what I mean. The generation before me, violence was the methodology. <laughs> you know, basically learn your tables off by heart, or you get hit with a ruler, or the back of a hand, or worse. You see, the thing is, in the vast majority of cases, it worked. And I'm not saying that's a good thing. If you ask any person over a certain age who did okay in school, but are eight twelves, they will likely know instantly that it's 96. And that wasn't learned through anything else but fear of being humiliated. 
And I can't think of a single reason since about 1970 why anyone would need to know why eight twelves are 96. And as an aside, you probably already know this. Knowing your 12 times tables, um, there is a reason for learning your 12 times tables back in the day. Uh, and it was because of the fact that in old money, there were 12 pennies in a shilling. And despite the fact that the 11 and 12 timetables have been eradicated from the Irish curriculum since 1999, you'll still find teachers around the country asking children to learn them. <laughs> sure, it's no harm, they've told me when I've pointed it out. Anyway, I was lucky. I found maths really easy in primary school. I knew my multiplication tables in junior infants, which on top of my extreme shyness and social awkwardness would probably get me referred to NEPS these days for some diagnosis. But anyway, I loved maths as a child, so the stand-up, sit-down game for me never really affected me. I was generally the last one standing, and although there were no compliments in those days, you know, it was lucky because getting an ego wasn't ever going to be on my cards. Being able to remember things off by heart is very useful in the education system. It actually got me through my entire primary and secondary education when my superpower finally proved almost useless when I got to third level though. Remembering stuff up by heart was not so useful. I imagine if you're a teacher listening to this podcast, you were also very, very, very likely to be good at learning information off by heart because if you weren't, you probably wouldn't have been able to get through the education system in order to become a teacher. And that's possibly a sweeping statement, but if you went through the, let's say, the traditional route of becoming a teacher, I'm probably right. So if I'm making one sweeping statement, I may as well make another one while I'm at it. As teachers, we're often tempted to teach children in the way that worked for us. Now, I'm definitely being a little bit unfair with this, but I'm going to reserve a little bit of my sweeping statement to learning tables. Despite all the evidence, if you were to ask every single teacher in Ireland whether it was true that the only real way to learn your tables is to simply learn them off by heart, I imagine even today, this is 2020 when I'm recording this, more than half of you would agree. And I also think it's reasonable to say that there are still a lot of classrooms in Ireland where the tables test still takes place on a Friday or a Thursday if you are of a particular vintage. Um, honestly, <laughs> moving the tables test to a Thursday was actually a tactic suggested by the PDST, which wasn't called the PDST back there, back then, about 20 years ago, the PCSP, about 20 years ago as a solution. Now, in fairness, they were different times, and they were also trying to be nice to teachers who found it impossible to think that there was another way to help children learn their tables. However, I want to go back to something I said a few minutes ago. It was about fear. And one of the greatest tools that teachers used to use to help children learn uh, was fear. Now, back in the day, you know, but that, that was the tool. I mean, when physical violence was abolished, or corporal punishment, if you will, uh, many turned to intimidation and humiliation before the vast, vast majority of us realised that children actually learn best when they aren't scared of you. However, when you aren't scared of getting something wrong, there does need to be a different motivator to learn your tables. Now, I already spent most of the episode nine of this podcast going through everything you need to know about teaching children how to learn their tables without having to learn a single one off by heart. So I'm not going to go through it here again. Go back to episode nine and I have a full um, episode which basically teaches you how to teach the tables without your children having to learn a single one off by heart. However, I can imagine some of you listening are probably not convinced anyway. Many of you will be saying, 
That's all well and good. In, in theory, in theory, you probably have even emphasized the words in theory. But the only way to learn the tables is repeat, repeat, repeat. And the thing is, 60% of your pupils will succeed by doing this because statistically, 60% of children can succeed by learning things off by heart. But let me try and convince you about the other 40%. And what we're going to do is we'll play a little game. You're going to have to have a pause button for this game on your podcast. Hopefully you do. Now, in fact, I used to play this game um, when I worked for Hibernia College. Um, that was when you were kind of, back in the days when you were allowed to go off script from the uh, from the script <laughs> that you now have to do. I, I left, or, well, <laughs> I won't tell you about me leaving Hibernia College. Um, but anyway, um, back in the day, I was the uh, head of, um, of, of, of this pedagogy, and I was head of maths, and I wrote the um, syllabus uh, for the maths uh and one of the things I liked to do was uh, proving to the students that learning tables off by heart doesn't work. It was a bit of an experiment, um, and what I did was, I'll just go through what I did with them and see what you think yourself. Maybe play along with it if you're there. I want, uh, first thing I did was I asked them their opinion on learning tables. And, you know, these are all student teachers. Um, they had done very little in terms of uh, pedagogy in maths, um, and uh, well, that was what I was there for, I suppose, to, to help them in that. And inevitably, they said, the only way to learn tables is to learn them off by heart. Now, I think in my six years with Hibernia, not one person came up with an alternative to that. And sure, they all came up with fun games, pretty much all of them based on the stand-up, sit-down game. Oh, what a game. So I asked them if they thought learning tables off by heart was such a good thing, I challenged them to learn the following sentences off by heart. So basically I said, okay, if you think tables are absolutely the right thing to do and they're the best way of doing it, okay, I'm going to give you um, some sentences to learn off by heart. So these are the sentences I got them to learn off by heart. Um, Fred Davidson lives in Aaron Zion Avenue. Okay, that's the first one. Fred Davidson lives in Aaron Zion Avenue. Okay, you can pause, repeat back to yourself, whatever. And I'll, I'll carry on. Maybe I'll tell you what, before I read the rest of them out, if you go to onshot.net slash 046, which is this episode, you'll see those uh, sentences written down. Try not to scroll too far down, but I'll just say them out now so you have them. So we've done Fred Davidson lives in Aaron Zion Avenue. Greg Fredson lives in Aaron Clare Avenue. Isaac Davidson lives in Aaron Clare Avenue. Fred Davidson works in Bill Davidson Avenue. Greg, Fred, uh, Greg Fredson works in David Bill Avenue. And Isaac Davidson works in Clare Fredericks Avenue. Okay, so if you want to try it, hit the pause button or write them down, go to that Onshaw site and just go away for a few minutes. And do come back though. I mean, I do need the ratings, only joking. You know, and there is a great punchline too. Please, please come back. Um, anyway, I may as well play uh, some interlude jingle while I use, while I wait for you. You know that one I play after the introduction? Okay, so uh, I presume that you went off and you did your homework and you learned all six of those sentences off by heart, so it's time for the reveal. Well, 
before I do, it was really interesting when I was working with Hibernia to see how people, when I gave them this challenge, what they did. And it was interesting to see how many people actually even accepted my challenge and the responses of the teachers that tried it, or students even, that tried it and failed to learn them off by heart. And here are some of the things that they said. I got muddled or I got confused or I got scrambled. That was one thing. Someone said my head got exhausted. Someone said I didn't really have any motivation or interest to learn those sentences. Yeah, I expected that to be easy, but they weren't easy. It just wasn't important to me. I found that really frustrating. And to be honest, I'm too busy to learn those. I'm trying to, you know, pass my exams. I mean, I'm too busy to learn those things. And it was also interesting to me that many teachers who were in disagreement with me wouldn't, wouldn't even do the challenge because they didn't see the relevance of learning a load of sentences off by heart. And in fact, the majority of the dissenters wouldn't even attempt to take part. I had a few little huffy faces of my, uh, of my student teachers. I don't know if any of you are listening to me anymore. Uh, it'd be a nice coincidence. But anyway, of the ones that did, some teachers recorded ways that they tried to learn those sentences. And some said they tried looking for patterns in the sentences. Others made stories up, um, you know, for example, the similar surnames become part of a family. And then finally, others grouped similar names together to try and again find patterns. So patterns were the things that were being looked for. So I guess you're probably wondering, what was the point of learning these seemingly random sentences? Um, but before I tell you, I'd like to compare how learning tables is very similar to having to learn those six sentences off by heart. When you give children tables, many of them will experience feelings like those that were expressed by my respondents, you know, being muddled, confused, not seeing any point of doing it, no motivation to learn them. And as I said earlier, it's likely that the majority of teachers are good at learning things off by heart. However, maybe that's not true. I'm not quite sure if it's really, really true. Even though I said it earlier, I'm not sure if it's actually true. The six sentences that I put up uh, or read out to you and are on the website on shaw.net slash 046 have complete relevance to learning tables. They actually are six number facts. The sentences actually represent six number facts. I mean, they, seem mean, they may have seemed meaningless to many people because they appeared in a new way. I didn't say them as number facts. I said them as sentences with people's names. And a child would probably come across tables initially as something new too that they haven't come across. I mean, you've all come across names and you've come across working and living and all that kind of stuff, but you haven't come across them in that way. Um, and you see, the thing is, every word there is also, you know, a real word and you can explain what every single one of those words mean. It's either a name, it's either a verb, um, it's a place where they work, all that kind of stuff. And putting them together though doesn't make any sense and doesn't seem to have any pattern, okay? So maybe I'm over-egging that point, but um, what I'm trying to say is that likewise, every number in a table's fact is also known to a child. But if you put them together and they don't seem to make sense or be very interesting, um, is it easy to remember them? And the reason some of the students there, maybe you, weren't bothered learning the sentences off by heart is the same reason maybe a child wouldn't either. It might be muddling. There may be, um, you know, they may not have the motivation. They didn't see the point of doing it. Um, all those kind of reasons that, you, that students would have given to me. And here's how the sentences are in fact tables. 
So any of the names that were there represented a number. So Aaron was a number one, Bill was a number two, Claire was number three, and so on. So uh, a name beginning with A was one, name beginning with B was two. Okay, I mean, you probably saw that pattern. You probably say, ah, what about that Z? Well, clever me, I put Z, uh, Z words represented zero. Okay, so we had, uh, we had that. So if we looked, let's say, at the first uh, thing there, we had Fred Davidson. Uh, so Fred Davidson, so that's a six and a four. And Aaron Zion is a one and a zero. But I still have this lives in and avenue. Now I'm sure if you can think of the relationship of six and four lives in one zero avenue, you can probably figure out what um, what they mean. Now avenue is a bit of a red herring, let's say, I'll grant you that. Um, but lives and lives is probably very obvious to you it is plus and if you look at the other sentences uh, which were works so let's look at Fred Davidson again he works in Bill Davidson Avenue so Bill B is 2 Davidson is 4 24 so Fred uh, 6 D Davidson 4 6 multiplied by 4 is 24 um, you know so these are um, you know they're, they're just the table said in a different way uh, so lives means plus works means multiplied and look if you had a push I might say Avenue means the word equals but I'm just being you know that it really is meaningless so if we translate them all Fred Davidson lives in Aaron's Iron Avenue 6 plus 4 equals 10 good reg Redrison so 7 6 lives plus Aaron Clare Avenue 7 plus 6 equals Aaron Clare 1 and a 3 13 7 uh, so equals 13 so as it goes on so you, you I won't go through all of them so as far as I'd be concerned all of these responses in the discussion represented exactly how a child feels when they're just given an arbitrary list of tables to learn and just because I represented my tables in words didn't doesn't really mean that they should have been any more difficult to a child it's as difficult you know, you're learning these numbers that have bear no relationship to each other uh, at first glance, unless you know what they look like. Um, you know, and, and therefore, you know, that's quite problematic. So the thing was, though, and I'm thinking back to my students here, the people that looked for patterns made relations and grouped similar sentences. And what they were doing was they were using strategies to help them learn. And I guess in a very long-winded way, if you can give your pupils strategies like that, for example, David Fredson also lives in Aaron Zion Avenue, that's the commutative property, so Fred Davidson lives in Aaron Zion Avenue, you're teaching the commutative property there, you'll actually see the benefits straight away and kind of figure them out. And I've gone through um, several strategies in episode nine of this podcast. I just, in this particular one, I just wanted to make the point while learning things off by heart. It just, it doesn't, it just doesn't work. And I hope this sort of little experiment might have helped maybe prove this. I, I have um, been speaking about this for the best the best part of a decade. And uh, it's, it's a fairly divisive topic, if, 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 uh, if I'm absolutely honest. Um, some people absolutely agree with me. They kind of go, wow, mind blown, wow. Uh, no, they don't. No one ever says that. Um, but there are some people who um, still slate um, this idea. And, and the reasons, I would imagine, are perfectly valid. I'm not uh, claiming that this is absolutely true. It's just making trying to make a point maybe about how a child might feel uh, some people uh, would say that 
um, it's nonsense you know children do learn things off by heart it's adults that can't learn off by heart so trying to put adult ideas and map them onto children's minds is wrong um, now I don't know if I agree with that I just wouldn't have the psychological knowledge to know if I'm right or wrong but if you want to steal that as a reason for dis uh, for you know kind of basically dissing what I've said uh, you know that, that that's grand um, but really I mean I suppose that's my only point in this episode um, is that I think learning things off by heart is very limited in its uh, in what it can do it I it's um, you know we just kind of have to accept that I think teaching strategies when it comes to your tables and uh, facts is far more beneficial than simply learning things off by heart now as I said some of you will still disagree with me and I'd actually be interested to hear your reasons I gave you a reason that somebody gave me uh, and I'd be very glad to respond to them or try and respond to them and actually I'd rather be I'd, I'd be delighted to be convinced I'm wrong um, but if you are interested in um, l learning those strategies again uh, you know please do go back to that episode I'm pretty sure it's episode 9 it could be 8 you see this is me learning learning my episodes off by heart I just have some strategy but anyway halfway through it I go through um, as I said a complete program for learning tables without learning a single one off by heart um, I'm not. Uh, I've I've also made a series of videos on the the topic on um, on YouTube, and if you want to see that, that's on um, the commercial uh, site that I run, uh, mash.ie. So if you go to the YouTube uh, channel there, it's again there's no charge or anything like that for watching it. I just thought, did it as part of a series for mash.ie. Um, it's um, one that you might look at. So I mean, if nothing else, I hope I've given you some food for thought. Um, but I definitely would say that if I were the Minister for Education, I would definitely be banning rote learning of tables. That's it. I hope you enjoyed uh, this episode. A bit of a, another light one this week. Um, I, I'm kind of doing light, heavy, light, heavy at the minute uh, by the looks of things. Um, and uh, be sure to tune in every Friday at 5.59, uh, just in time for your weekly department circular, but also just to keep the keep you going uh, a bit of an onshaw.net uh, podcast too um, if you want to get this episode to the, any of our episodes or future episodes earlier just hit the subscribe button on your podcasting tool whether that's apple podcasts uh, spotify google podcasts or any of the other uh, podcasting apps that are out there i'd really appreciate it as well if you wouldn't mind reviewing this podcast hopefully positively uh, so other people uh, can find it more easily and um, thanks so much for listening again and we'll chat to you next week bye bye